Welcome to Podcast Therapist, presented by Virginia Family Therapy. I'm Sarah. I'm Caroline. And I'm Amanda. As three family therapists, we know how hard it is to feel like you're being the parent you want to be while juggling everyone's needs. We specialize in helping families just like you during the long days of multitasking and constant searching for the bar of success. Our podcast mixes expertise, real life advice, and embarrassing stories. Whose embarrassing story? Let's walk through this together. Welcome to Podcast Therapist, brought to you by Virginia Family Therapy. Hi, you guys. Hi. Hi, happy to see you guys. So glad to see you guys. You too. So here we are now, ready to talk to you all about before school and after school meltdowns that your kids are having and you're probably experiencing in full effect. And meltdowns are normal. A million percent. And we're going to talk mostly about meltdowns for probably sixth grade and under, but don't be disillusioned for those of you who have older middle school students and high school students. Those students can be gems in the afternoon as well. (laughs) And in the morning, there are often sarcastic comments or parents can still often ruin children's and teens' lives very simply by asking them if they have their lunch ready. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's amazing. So... But we're going to focus on kind of the big feelings, the big fallout, which come, the older kids can kind of articulate more and, and share feelings a little better usually. So we're going to talk more about the kids who still are a little bit on the younger end, but we're still doing a lot of guesswork. Like the physical meltdowns, the crying, mm-hmm. screaming, running away. Refusal. Snot coming from your nose. Meltdowns. Yeah. That's what we're talking about? Yep. Okay. And school. Yeah. And refusal. So let's talk for a second about why kids are having meltdowns. So kids have meltdowns because lots of things change is one. Mm -hmm. Kids contain a lot during Mm -hmm. school. So school is all about learning rules. And one of the biggest rules in school is that you have to contain for most of the day. At different times, you have to be really quiet, sometimes a little less quiet. You can't run around freely. I mean, there's lots of rules. Yeah. And there's a lot of stuff. So you have to learn all those rules, right? So it's, I think at school, it's like, am I doing the right thing? You know, am I, are my friends here? Like all that uncertainty. And when you think about going to school, there are so many children. And for me, I'm like a watcher, a people watcher. And so if I were in a class with like 30 people all day, watching all of the things that you can see in a classroom Mm -hmm. and, and thinking every single interaction is important, especially for those like highly sensitive kids, it's a lot of information to take in. It's so overwhelming. I think also there's a lot of, um, as parents, you know, when you think about, like, think about your kids are learning just in this first three years of school, like, the things they master, their brains are very, very busy working very hard Mm -hmm. every day. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a really positive, healthy change. It's just a new routine. Yes. And they're not in the routine yet. Mm -hmm. And so we're in, I think the meltdowns are the sign of, like, we're in that growing phase. Absolutely. Yeah. So what's happening is kids are holding it together, being the little angels that we have asked them to be, right? Because we Mm -hmm. do put expectations on our kids and they are trying to meet our expectations. And then they come home and they are exhausted from having to do it. They're in a safe place. They're in a place that they feel the most comfortable, that they feel like they know, they trust and love you. And so it's a backhanded compliment to have them just fall apart. I need Sarah to tell me that every day. <laughs> it is though. I mean, if you think about it, like there are kids that we know and we work with that don't have those families that feel safe. And so they don't fall apart and, and mm-hmm. they can't. 
Yeah, like the meltdowns are actually really healthy, right? Yes, I'm still looking at you guys incredulously. <laughs> I think there's a time frame that they are healthy. Yeah. I think, um, for example, you know, when we talk about meltdowns after school, we are saying absolutely expect them for the first couple weeks of school. Mm-hmm. Probably into six weeks or so, probably call your pediatrician yes. or therapist. Yeah, like yeah. That's, that's been going on too long. And then the length of time that the meltdown lasts can also be something to watch. So it's very healthy when they come home for a period of time. But if it, it, you know, if there aren't other factors, like let's say, what are the things we're going to make sure, like we, we have a couple things to screen when you're looking at a meltdown. Like you want to make sure they're not hungry, mm-hmm. um, thirsty, tired, tired, and make sure they're not sick. Mm-hmm. We have to kind of watch even mm-hmm. more so for that right now. But if that's, you know, you don't want to keep melting down for like two hours. That's too long. Absolutely. School. Yeah. And I do think we all expect them for kids that were in kindergarten, right? Kindergarten, first grade, the younger kids. But so many of our kids have not been in school for a year and a half that I do expect the meltdowns and the exhaustion to be happening for an older set Absolutely. Um, yeah. this year. Because well, the skills are developed. And so you've got kids who are in fifth grade now that still have third grade coping mechanisms yep. for school. Mm-hmm. And so they've got a lot of catching up to do in the first couple of weeks of school. So you're going to see... Kids that might have been like all summer awesome and kind of you're like, oh, I've got a little young team coming along here. But then all of a sudden they act like they're three. And that's really okay because really when you, when last time they were in school, they were in third grade. I mean, they're not quite used to the demands of fifth grade yet. It's so different. You are literally speaking my life right now. I mean, oh um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, cause I have a fifth grader who right. looks like a teenager and yeah, stuff is, stuff is still hard, right? Because those muscles mm-hmm. haven't developed. Mm-hmm. Those muscle, the coping muscles of being in school all day have not developed. And I think like there are always kids who are like anxious to leave their parent or anxious to leave their sibling, but we've just had so much more together time yeah, in the last 18 months yeah. that like, Again, the same thing you're saying, they're out of practice. Mm-hmm. And so it's just going to feel more intense mm-hmm. for those kids. By the way, my family's in the honeymoon phase right now. So we've had two days of school and including me, like I'm doing all the killer parenting things, like getting their outfits out the night before, right? I feel like I am the best mom in America. It's a honeymoon phase, right? So it's going to, I know that I'm not going to be able to sustain that, although I should, and they're feeling really responsible. So you might also have a honeymoon phase and you might be like, oh, like this doesn't apply to me. And then it's going to kick in for your kids. So just, just know that it, it can come and go. So yeah, let's talk about the prep for the parent for a second, because, because if you are prepared for this as a parent, it's a lot less painful, truthfully. Because I remember the first time, and I'm speaking as a therapist, that I don't know why it didn't occur to me that my kid would come off the bus and not be thrilled to see me for the next, you know, 45 minutes. But especially the first couple of grades of school, the first couple of weeks were always rough. And I, you know, you'd be looking at this kind of little monster in, in my house mm-hmm. and I'm like, what happened to my like awesome kid? Mm-hmm. But I had to be prepared for that, not take it personally for one, right? Which and is yes. Yeah. yeah. But also know like it's okay for them to have space. It's okay for them to as long as it's a safe the safe place for them to melt down. And well, not freak out about the school. No, not make phone calls to the bus driver, right? Well, and like giving them a window to like re-regulate. So you're going to be like so curious as the parent about their day 
you know, you want to ask about their teacher and how is their class and who they sit next to. Like you want to know all the things, or at least I would want to know all the things. But it's like they need time to settle before that happens. And I think sometimes we like push the meltdown sooner if we come in really excited and energized yeah. and asking oh, questions. I stopped myself with a 17 year old yesterday because I wanted to know how her day went. But I walked in the kitchen and I looked at her and I saw a look at her face. I was like, yep, not now. I mean, <laughs> I'm 17 years in. So let's start with when your kid is having a meltdown. Give it some time. It is not the time to be calling a school, calling a bus driver, stressing out about the little things. Know that it is relatively normal. Give it some time. Don't escalate with your kid. Don't escalate with your kid about all the things that could be going wrong externally about why your kid is having a meltdown. Some kids may need snuggle time at that point where they just need to be connected to you and sit on your lap and read a book or do something like that. That's great. So let's slow that down for one second, actually. Sorry. So let's actually start with... Let's talk about the morning meltdowns and how we're going to prevent and manage morning meltdowns. So I think as the parent, you do what you're saying. And for as long as possible, you do as much as you can the night before. Yes. That means guys. I know. I'm sorry. Prepped, ready. Lunch is made before. I'm saying this not as someone who has actually done that successfully, but as someone who wished they could have done that successfully. Or like, maybe you think about like, what are the two things, right? Like if it, If it's too much to do all of it, if the one thing is getting outfits out the night before that's going to be massively helpful, maybe that's the one thing. Guys, in my house, that is finding socks. It can take genuinely up to seven minutes to find a pair of socks for each child in my house. That's that's just where we are, guys. (laughs) Just being honest with you. So if I could find the socks for all of my children the night before, I think I would really be killing it. Can we create a system? I love creating systems. Yeah, we do. So we're saying get all the parenting things that we can out of the way the night before. Get the lunches made, sign the papers, yeah. all these things I usually don't do. Get the socks together, have the outfits, have the backpack ready. Well, and I think like, yeah, and the kids can also have some of those responsibilities, yes. right? This is going to afternoons. But when if there's homework, once homework is done, right, it can be like, put your folders in your backpack, put your backpack by the door, so that that's not like you're scrambling, being like, where's the green piece of paper in the morning? That's your kid, not you. No, yeah. So I think the to, you know, as a parent like that, you can build prep for the next day as part of the routine at night. Like setting yes. those out the night before can be part of getting ready for bed. Absolutely. Yes. And I think part of the reason we say to do this is not only does it help the morning before, the morning of school. But it also really helps because some of the preschool meltdowns happen at bedtime. Yes. Right? Yes. Like, I cannot tell you how many times I've been putting one of my kids to sleep and I'm like, and good night. And I'm like, you know, scrolling on my phone, lying in bed with them, just to be honest. And they're like, but I didn't, you didn't sign that paper. And then I'm like, oh, the only way to calm this child down is to get up and go sign the paper now and let him know that it's been done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so part of helping the kids meltdowns at night is to have them ready for the next day. Yep. So what about the other kinds of preschool meltdowns that kids can have at night? In my house, to be honest with you, one of my kids doesn't love going to school, my youngest, so it's fine. He's four. But he's just like, I don't want to go to school. I don't want to go to school. He'll be like a broken record talking about mm-hmm. going to school. Oh, my. Amazing. He does not want to go to school, guys. He yeah. really doesn't. Yeah. Just to be honest with you. <laughs> 
So how do we how do we manage those emotional situations at night? So I think one thing to remember, and you are the expert on your own kid, but some kids will be able to sit and you can talk to them and you can kind of say, well, let's talk a little bit about the feelings you're having right now, or let's let's identify how you're feeling, or you know, let's do some breathing, or you know, whatever it is. If it's distraction that works with your kid, or coloring, mm-hmm. something to kind of just bring them back down, to, like soothe their central nervous system. Some kids want to talk, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Some kids, like I said, but but a lot of kids too, like they may not be able to identify it's not like they can say you know mrs smith yelled at me today and so i'm really nervous about going back tomorrow like that rarely is going to come out mm-hmm. for years. Uh, and so sometimes we just don't know and so we just have to kind of figure out what works at the moment mm-hmm. which doesn't sound super helpful probably in some ways but it's really about reading your kid and just being kind of present and knowing that you know Again, not trying to problem solve it necessarily or mm-hmm. over like analyze it, mm-hmm. but just kind of being present with trying to get them calm. soothing them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. One of the things I do is I really it's important to me that my young men um, know how to talk about their feelings, and so I give them prompts. Kind of, it's really annoying, but I, I ask them, "What's one thing that made you sad? One thing that made you angry? One thing that made you worried? One thing that made you happy?" Right, and I mix them up. I'll usually ask like two of them or four, mm-hmm. but I really want to give them prompts for their feelings. So if I start asking that around dinner or a little bit after dinner, I can sometimes prompt their anxiety about going to school and problem solve then. If I right. wait until bedtime, oh, yeah. they're like totally amped. And so I try to start asking those questions and problem solving some of it around dinner so that the feelings are getting solved before they're exhausted and they can kind of calm themselves with that stuff. And it can be a game. Like you can make it fun. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And sometimes that works. Like with my younger kids, that works. With my older kids, they will just be like, it's fine, 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 fine. And then it'll be bedtime when we're lying down and they will go with all of their kind of ridiculous things that they're worried about said with love about going to school. But those ridiculous things are actually really important to them. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like who they're sitting next to, what they're wearing. Mm -hmm. I mean, so what you're saying too, is just to be really tuned in, like, just listen, like, don't feel like you have to problem solve anything, but just kind of hear what they're saying. At some point, do we need to like contain if they're coming home really anxious every day, like, do we give them a space and a time to say, like, okay, we're going to talk about this right now. We're going to think about it. And then you're going to, like, go play outside, right? So that it's not just, like, the whole afternoon is spent talking about how anxious I am about tomorrow. So I think, in all honesty, I think it's two things. I think there's the one <laughs> that's, like, the bedtime meltdown, and that's mm-hmm. about tomorrow, right? Yeah. And so I think if your kid is, like, perseverating, which is another word for, like, ruminating or worrying over and over again. About the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. About the same thing and getting nowhere. Like, my son who's like, I don't want to go to school. I don't want to go to school. and does not tell me why kind of limiting that and saying, okay, right. you have like essentially one more minute to say that and yes. then it's done. Right. That's right. right? Yeah. So that's the bedtime right. one. But then I think there's another way of containing the post-school meltdown because I think they're two separate they're meltdowns. They're two different ones, yes. They're so this is the preschool meltdown. The preschool, preschool meltdown. <laughs> so you have, Pre-preschool? So at, night, so at night we think it's an anticipatory thing, yep. right? That's what we're thinking. It's, it's not usually leftover worry from the day, but it's usually a little bit more anticipation. Like they clicked in that they have to go back the next day. Yep. Because there's nothing more, I think, more kind of pure than a kindergartner who loves their first three days and then realizes they have to actually go for the fourth. Yep. Mm-hmm. They're really not excited yep. about that. Yep. So 
Then if you look at like the next morning, let's go to the next morning person and do the after school one. Yep, Can that's that? perfect. Yep. So the next morning, and we talked about getting everything prepped. So when you are the perfect parent, which I'm not and you're not. Nope. Caroline, we're going to come to your house to make sure you mess it up. <laughs> funny for ourselves, I guess. <laughs> I just kidding. better marry someone really organized. <laughs> um, you know, we, so the idea of having breakfast ready, all those things, like, yeah, okay, that's nice. But a lot of times, too, that just doesn't work quite that well. Um, so the morning, I mean, it, kids will say, I don't eat breakfast. That was a big one in my house. Yeah, like, that happened mm-hmm. today. I'm not eating. I don't want to eat. I would like to say, guys, I just think I'm optimistic. I'm not disorganized. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just very optimistic that the morning is going to go great. So I don't yeah. need to so prep. Don't plan. <laughs> um, but I think the more you can kind of have routine things, even in the morning, like yes. if you can try to do wake up around the same time, that's very helpful. It actually helps with sleep too. We've talked about that. Yes. yes. Um, if you can have clothes available to get dressed in so there's not the whole meltdown thing. Yes. Um, if you can offer no more than one or two breakfast options because you're not a restaurant in the morning. Yes. Can be really stressful for yes. Yep. Um, and truthfully, I don't know, different parents have different feelings about breakfast food. Like at my house, anything was kind of free game. Like you could, I don't care if you have lasagna for breakfast. Right. Just eat something. Yep. Yeah. And then the timing of getting out the door. So there are things that get thrown out sometimes. Like you're really late for the bus. You might not get your teeth brushed. Yep. Right. So number one, routine, routine, routine. And I think that this year is going to be hard for routine because I do anticipate that kids are going to be out of school for two weeks if they quarantine and then back or if they're feeling even remotely sick or keeping them. So getting into routine is going to be harder. So that actually means that we need to kind of stick to it a little more strongly as much as we can so kids know they can fall back on it. The second thing I always say is I I do checklists, you know, like I have like a nice little checklist for my kids and this really put me over the edge. So luckily my sister-in-law is a speech and language pathologist and did it for me. But like before my kids could read, she just did like that graphic art where it was like a picture of a bed, a picture of clothes, a picture of a toothbrush. Yeah. And they would just fly through it and get it done. And I think if you're going to do a checklist, like keep it simple a million. Yeah. Right. The morning checklist is not necessarily the time to be like, and your PJs go in the laundry and you're like, right. It's, it's like the crucial items. I mean, some families might do that and good for you guys, mm-hmm. but that never happened at my house. Yeah. I mean, I think like I can see myself being like, mm, I have a 10 point checklist and it's like, all right, tone it down. Maybe three or four or five things is fine. Right. And I think I can see myself having to choose which things I mm-hmm. am going to, like, and you can prompt. Make a game. I mean, we used to, like, if you see breakfast, I'd be like, backpack, check. Like, yes. shoes on, check. Socks yes. on, and other shoes, check. Like, you make it fun. Like, oh, yeah. We used to, you know, in Parent Trap, when, <laughs> guys, she's getting dropped off at camp, and he's like, vitamins, check. Minerals, <laughs> check. <laughs> and then it was like, list of daily fruits and vegetables, Check, check. It's like we used to always try to get a check, check. Everybody do that. I also do. Oh, I have like a very clear consequence if my kids miss the bus, right? Which is no shows that day. If they miss the bus that day, because they usually miss the bus from their own ridiculous behavior, like then no shows, period. Yeah. We always have talked about school is your job. 
yeah, like mm-hmm. I go to work yep. and I have a job and getting on the bus on time and going to school is your job. Yep. And don't be like your job. And that has been like our one consistent That's expectation good. and it works. Like it gets my kids, they, they very rarely miss the bus. That's really I mean, That's are awesome. we the last people at the bus stop every day? Sure are, but we make it. <laughs> I also think if your kid is having like a lot of separation anxiety, right? Especially little ones that are like, you know, I'm not going to see you for so long. Like, what if you don't remember me? What if this like, that's a great time. And this probably isn't like a morning project, but it would be a part of your morning routine, right? So you would identify and create, which what it's called like a transitional object Yep. at some other time. And then the morning would be the moment that you make sure like, you know, mom's wearing her friendship bracelet and kid has their friendship bracelet. Or I know some people will like, you can use literally anything. Like I had a client that had a bunch of shells from the beach. Mm -hmm. And so she would take the shell to school in her pocket and then mom would take the shell at night and recharge it. Right. So like mom would put it on her bedside table at night and then give it back to the kid in the morning. So I had... We did just a little, because I was working, I would get ready and I might put makeup on in the morning. I was not putting makeup on my child before first grade, but what I would do is on her hand, I might put like something, oh, that's like a little cute. something, an eyeliner or yeah. you know, just a little mark or something, you know, just something sweet because we were standing next to each other getting ready or something. And um, so just stuff, it's little things. And it's so, you know, they can, something they can look at or touch tangibly mm-hmm. while they're at school to think of you. Mm-hmm. Because the idea is, is like, if there is an emotional separation or there's a physical separation, but yeah. if they have just one physical thing to hold on to, they can feel you. And there's a really good book called The Invisible String. Oh, oh great. About it. Clearly, I read it. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that sounds great. <laughs> and another thing to do in that way is to practice saying goodbye. Yes. Right? Is So what is practiced becomes routine. And so... And then there's less anxiety. So just practice, practice, practice the actual goodbye. And this might be a moment where parents need prep too. Like if you're anxious about sending your little kid on the bus for the first time, you might need to practice like, okay, I'm going to say like, bye, honey. I love you. Have such a good day. Kiss them. And then like you have to leave too. Because I think as soon as kids sense a parent is uncertain, they're like, Something is definitely wrong, and now yeah. I really don't want to go so, to school. I will say having, in my experience, I really think it's best when kids, like, when you are the parent, like, if the kid can leave you versus you leave the parent, I mean, you leave the kid, because mm-hmm. kids, mm-hmm. Um, if they're doing the separating, it feels more empowering. So, like, if the kid gets on the bus and you stand there and they can still see you from the bus, mm-hmm. and then they're driving away, or you're dropping them at school and they're walking yep. in and you're still there. Because it's sending a message that you're there and you're going to be there. That makes so much sense. Yeah. So don't like get in your car and drive away before the bus leaves. And and even in the classroom, like have the kid actually literally walk away from you in the classroom instead of walking away from them. Like even if a teacher has to help them. Yeah. That Mm -hmm. makes sense. Especially for families that have any sort of separation and divorce, it's really important. Yeah. Yeah. Makes total sense. And that's going to, I mean, I feel like separation and divorce, like if you are in a co parenting situation where you can make the routine 
the same the same in both houses whether it's the goodbyes or like what mornings look like the more you can do that that's awesome Mm -hmm. if that's like feasible in your parenting situation and separation anxiety doesn't always look like tearfulness and separation it can be that the kid has to kiss you 19,000 times right like so you've done the hug you've done a secret handshake see the funny handshakes are helpful too by the way Mm -hmm. and separation because you have this last thing you do that's like just yours with your kid like a little message but if your kid keeps coming back for that last hug oh one more hug one more kiss that's a little sign that there's some separation anxiety mm-hmm. happening mm-hmm. so just to tune into some of that too because mm-hmm. you may need to talk to somebody about that or have your kid talk mm-hmm. and I would also say one thing that helps me in my family especially around my kids going to swim practice guys this is really why I used it they were so resistant to swim practice as we would just carpool with friends they're mm-hmm. way more likely to do an easier transition or yeah. go somewhere with friends. Like us. Yeah. Us like right. The, yes, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, if you need help getting your kid out or they're having a meltdown in the morning, have a friend come by and pick them up on the way to the bus stop. Just use yes. those friends because they're less likely to have a meltdown in front of a friend. Yes. So what about PM? Because those are the ones that feel really hard to me because the behavior feels out of control. It can't feel out of control, Right. And I think the other part is usually as a parent, and, and you're tired also. Like, this is hitting the end of the day. So, you, yeah. yeah. You're so excited to get your kid back. Like, you're excited. Yeah. You miss them all day. Maybe not miss them all day, but whatever. You're just excited to see your kid. And they walk in, and it almost feels like nothing you do can make them feel comfortable. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Like, they're just like, I mean, they don't say I hate you, so I might, but they're, they're just not happy. They're miserable, and you're. And, you know, that can feel panicky. You can be like, mm-hmm. oh, what happened to my kid? Mm-hmm. But it's actually, it's just everything emptying out. It's just mm-hmm. all the stuff they held on to, all the stresses from the day, like we said. But I think, and I think it's really important to allow that transition time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, and I think it is, I think it's, it's potentially two types of meltdowns. One is the total shutdown where they like keep you out. And then the other is the like, getting all that sensory information out of the Like the explosive tantrum. The explosive tantrum, right? So it's either shutting down or the explosiveness. And both of them are almost symptoms of the same thing, which is just too much stimulation, too many expectations on them. So again, y'all, we're going to say go to routine. Yes. Right? Because Mm -hmm. that gives them the consistency and the structure that they need to be able to handle those emotions that they're having. I thought you were going to say go to a box of wine. (laughs) (laughs) Routine. I think that's good. No, I think, right, because what they need is safety. Yep. They don't need control of those emotions. They don't need to process those emotions with you. No. Right. You up in their space in that moment. They just need to let stuff out and it needs to be done safely. And then they need to re-regulate. Yes. And that's exactly right. Because there is this piece of the parent, you're like, you want to know every little thing that happened to your kid that day, especially those little ones. Yeah. But like, it's too much for them. So you have to play it cool. And you might get that information later, right? Like by dinner, your kids might be able to talk about like, what happened at school today. But when they walk off the bus and walk through the door... They're not ready. So I will tell you this, though. As a parent in this moment, I want my kids to know that I'm thinking about them and I care about what happened to them. So sometimes I'm like, I should ask them because that's how you demonstrate that you care. So one thing I'm trying to do is just being like, hey, I really missed you. 
or like, hey, I was thinking about you. Let me know when you want to talk to me about what happened or if, if you want to. Yeah. Right? Because otherwise, like, I want them to know that I care. Yeah. You want the door open. Yeah. yeah. And I want them to know that, like, I was thinking about them while I was gone. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a difference in, like, bombarding with questions when they come off the bus and, like, the opposite end of the spectrum is, like, just not engaging. Yeah. yeah. Right? Like, you still want to, like, welcome your child home and yes. be like, I'm so happy to see you. Like, snack is on the counter. Like... Yes. And be excited and check in with them, right? But you may just not get the feedback that you want right. in that moment. Right. Yes. Yeah, and it's important not to react to their negativity yeah. because they're just, um, I mean, it just helps you. And, and truthfully, they've been talking all day or someone's been asking them questions all day or they've been participating all day. They just are done a lot of times. Um, and so they just, to just kind of allow that room for whatever. Like, uh, like you said, where you just kind of like, hey, so glad you're home. If you want to talk about your day, I'd love to hear about it. If you don't, it's okay. Yeah. Like, but, tell, but tell me later, right? You can tell me later, but right? really. <laughs> but I, and I also think it's like, a time for figuring out like what helps, right? Like I think some kids are going to want to like go outside and run around with their friends and like get energy out. Some kids are like, oh my gosh, school was so overstimulating. I want to like cozy corner, Mm -hmm. do something like coloring by myself to reset. Yeah. And I think you're going to figure out what your kids need. I think especially if you're in like the five and six year old range, you don't quite know. So you're going to have to figure out what your kids need. And once you do it, try and put it in some sort of routine. One thing that has really helped me or families that have a lot of kids, it's usually like they're not always in sync. Right. So it's really easy to talk about one kid, but when we're talking about managing three kids coming off the bus, it's, it's actually, it's like really overwhelming. So I have to kind of prioritize the needs of my children. Mm -hmm. So I know that like two kids probably want me to check in immediately and one kid can wait. So what I do with those two kids who want to check in immediately is I actually give positive time to the kid who's going to demand it first, which Mm -hmm. I hate to say. So essentially like, my hardest kid, I front end one-on-one time with that kid. So because if I front end it with the other kid, that other kid's going to come back and get it. Does that make sense? Well, then the first kid doesn't actually get it. Right. Exactly. Because the other kid is just being like, are you done? Right. It's interrupted. Yep. Yeah. So it is really important when your kids come home from school give them some transition time, let them chill, and then do something very small that's one-on-one positive time with that kid. So sometimes it's just like with my four-year-old, it just means I sit down on the floor and like run a truck like through the rug three times. And then that's all like, that's all I really need to do is just sit down. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. With other kids, it's like sitting on my lap and reading a book. It really is what feels reconnecting, but it's not asking questions about the day, it's really just like an emotional recharge, an emotional reconnection. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of work. When, when there are a lot of kids, it's actually really hard to make happen, especially when then you're like getting out to soccer practice or getting out. But the short one minute bursts of positive time can really prevent the meltdown later in the yeah. afternoon. Well, because it's about connection, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's the connection piece and that helps re-regulate. And again, that's why as adults, we need to stay 
calm and not be reactive, because if we're connected and we get reactive, then they're going to feel that reaction. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's, and, and not to personalize their behavior. One other thing I think we might see that we haven't talked about is like the kiddo who's suddenly like really clingy, right? Who's like physically attached and becomes like your next limb, like a little kid who suddenly like gets home from school and is your shadow mm-hmm. or is just like so on one of their parents mm-hmm. because they've been away all day. Mm-hmm. Guys, I'm going to pause really quickly because I have to go and take my kids to soccer practice. And I'm okay. going to be a terrible person if I'm late. So Amanda had to go and... And be a parent. <laughs> so I'm a parent. I'm going to leave not to... No, I'm kidding. I so I we're know. just going to hang. <laughs> no, I think I, I think the thing to remember as a parent is to... Sometimes it's so hard for us, too, when we, we've missed our kids all day. Like yeah. They, you know, they've been in school all day. Now somebody else has them for seven, eight hours a day. And we're so excited to see them. And what we get is this little monster that comes off the bus for 45 minutes. But it is really important not to personalize that. It's really important, again, to just help ground and soothe that kind of reaction. Yeah. So should we do like a quick recap? Yes. Let's do it. Okay. So I think the main things to remember... Drink a lot before your kids get off the bus. No. (laughs) Don't do any prep. (laughs) The main things are for a parent um, is to anticipate. Create routine. A.M. and P.M. Yes. To invite your kid into the PM routine as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Because truthfully, too, they, they're told what to do all day. And so to give them some semblance of control back can be really helpful. Yeah. Remember that some degree of melting down is normal. Yes. And hopefully it's temporary. Yes. If it's not, it's a great time to talk to your pediatrician or a therapist if six to eight weeks from now, you're like, oh my goodness, this isn't getting better. Or if it's lasting too long. Yes. It's important that you listen to what your kids are saying when they're melting down because sometimes you will get a few nuggets of things that are actually bothering them. Mm-hmm. Um, but oftentimes it's, that's not the time they're actually sharing feelings about their day. Yeah. And then I think the other thing that can be really important is just along with the routine is the consistency of the routine. So just make sure that it's the little things, but just as much as you can do them consistently every day and not change the schedule up on the kid every day. Yeah. And it's okay if it takes you a few days or a couple weeks to like figure out what the routine is that works best for you. We're not saying if you set a routine and then it's not doable, like, oh, well, you said it, you have to stick to it. But yeah, once you feel like, okay, this is a routine that's sustainable for our family, stick with that as much as you can. Life is always going to happen. Things are going to come up. But just knowing like, okay, on a perfect morning, this is the process. Right. So what we said, what we've said in the last how many minutes we've been talking? 45 hours. So one is, first of all, screen the kids when they come home and make sure somebody's not really hungry, um, really thirsty, or feeling sick in some way, because that can also lead to kind of behavioral things that we're discussing right now. Yep. Give them space and time and transition. Yep. Don't take it personally. Give them safety and space and, and kind of meet the needs that they have. So, so right. like Amanda, with then you reconnect. Right. It's, it's giving the space and the time and then maybe sitting down and running a truck. Yeah. And then heading into the evening, it's routine, planning, 
and inviting a kid in on that and not doing anything too close to bedtime as far as feeling discussions. Yes. Just stir your kid up. Yep. As you probably already know. And then, like Caroline said, morning time, just having things planned. We love a checklist, of course, and having the routine to get out the door on time. And then I did like Amanda's suggestion about the consequence. Yeah. Bus in particular, just being on time. Right. It is a time where kids can, if if you have an early riser and they're up an hour and a half before school, they will start doing something and start to dawdle around a little bit, and that can heat up having to correct them and create some conflict. Yeah, and it's it's a consistent expectation and it's a consistent consequence. So, like after a few days, your kids are just going to know what happens if they miss the bus, and it doesn't have to be like a daily discussion. And there is no perfect parenting to this. It is give yourself a lot of grace, um, especially if this is um, your first year of school or maybe your second year of school. It takes a little while to, for everybody to adjust, not just yeah. the kids, but also the parents, for sure. Well, happy back to school. I know. Welcome <laughs> back to school. I hope they can stay in school and everybody stays healthy and happy, for sure. And you can find us on our website. VirginiaFamilyTherapy.com. We're also on all sorts of platforms for this podcast. So thank you very much for joining us. We'll talk to you soon. Bye.